are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Digital Noise with those digital boys. Hey, welcome to another episode of Digital Noise. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me, as always, is my wacky sidekick, Wright. Hello. God damn it, Wright. We rehearsed this. We did? You did? Is this, is this you, what you do every single time? You, I don't listen to any other digital noise except for me. Even do... I gave you a button. It does this. Ooga! Ooga! You didn't press it. <laughs> what? Uh, look, I... I don't know if you're right for this job, right? I, I've been asking myself for that a long <laughs> time now, man. I mean, buckle buckle up and strap in for those questions. Just kidding. Right is uh, one of the three co-hosts here at yeah. Digital Noise. Yes. Always pleased to record with you. Yeah, it's great. You also check him out on Trash in the Can, his yeah. podcast. He's been going on for, what, years now? It's been a few years now. We're uh, a lot of episodes in, but we're finally under the One of Us uh, umbrella, and... Uh, it's been horrible ever since. It's great. <laughs> yeah, they're like, where are our listeners? Like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that and also it's like we're starting to like really dig deep into the shithole of what we like to look, look at, watch. And, you know, okay. well, it's because you're doing digital noise now and you get to see more of the world shittiest movies. It's, it's crazy because now I feel like I am doing it for fun and then I'm doing it for this. I'm like. I had to watch like nine movies. And yeah, then, but come on. You get through some of these and you're like, oh, I'm saving this for a trash in the can. Like one or two, maybe once in a while. Like this, this stack is interesting. It's just, got some of those. Uh, <laughs> All right. So I feel so bad. Again, this is not the first time I've said this to you. I, the, the last two stacks I handed off to Aaron and John were filled with like just one winner after another of like great movies of like major movies. And like I hand him the stack and it's like, we, it's got blue monkey in it. <laughs> Look, I think that your impression of me now because of trash in the can is like, Oh, he'll like it. No, and, no. Okay, good. Because what the fuck are you doing to no, me? It's only based on when I get them and release dates. Oh, fuck I, the release dates. I am doing this all wrong. The only thing that I, mutated all in terms of term is I know that John is not the world's biggest fan of the DC animated universe stuff. So I generally try to, if I can uh, not do those with him because okay. I know he's not crazy about okay. them. And B, uh, 
Aaron buys a lot of his own shit anyway of stuff. He still buys stuff? He buys stuff all the time. Like on the next show I'm doing is with him. I got the Once Upon a Time in China, like major oh, criterion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, yeah, I already bought it. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to save that for you because See, you've already got it. And I don't even have to. I'm like, start watching it now. So I don't have to wait till I have enough movies to hand you. I am here for the scraps that you get because you get a lot of like stuff that you're sent and you're like, no, I'm not watching this. You've had a few good stacks. Look, I know I've had a few good stacks, but also there's a couple other movies that I wish we would do because I would love to watch it uh, with you. Maybe even trust the camp, but like the, the Gestapo's last orgy. I'm not watching that. Oh, movie. come on. Hey, yeah, yo, free bonus. Like he comes to my house. What is this? This is the Gestapo's last orgy. It's like in the movie they sent me. I'm not watching. He's like, can I have it? I'm like, oh, please make See, me forget it ever existed. Fans, this is what Chris is not <laughs> talking about. This is what he's, you know, holding back from you. And we're talking about this shit like hard target and crap. Uh, uh, oh, watch it, man. Some people are going to be all weird about that. I posted like how dumb hard target is online. And there's like 300 responses that are basically equivalent of fuck you. Really? Like, yeah. People <gasps> love that movie. Oh, my God. Can I, can people hate me, too? They can. Oh, my God. That's great. You're so lucky. Oh. But you know what? We're going to start with something, though, that I think we both actually liked that neither one of us had ever heard of before. Any idea. And, of course, it's being put out by Arrow. You know, because right. they're great at dredging up the shit from the annals of time it, it, and especially other countries that like, wow, how have I never heard of this? And the title doesn't exactly make you go, I got to see that. It just makes you go more weird Japanese shit, which is sailor suit and machine gun. Well, it seems like they mispronounced like Sailor Moon and the <laughs> the winter machine uh, solstice or something Look, like that. I was like, wait, what? It's a whole thing where like. Japanese schoolgirls, like not all of them, but like their suits that they wear, they're like basically sailor suits, the private school outfits, right. you know, and so it's like become of the sailor suits, right? Yeah. And this came out in 1981. Uh, this 81? 1981. This is way ahead of its time. Um, like, this movie is, I just want to say, it's great. It is. It is great. And yeah. it is kind of way ahead of its time. And this actress who plays the lead, Hiroko, oh boy, Yakushimaru, that sounds right. You got it. Yeah. Um, there you go. Has become kind of a huge cult figure uh, as an actress and a pop singer in the 80s uh, who, uh, you know, really did, I mean, like 5.9 million copies of her singles and albums there. Like, oh, wow. She, she's pretty big. Her, her filmography is not gigantic, but she's been in a decent amount of stuff. But this was like her breakthrough film where people were like, oh, wow. And in Japan, Sailor Suit and Machine Gun was a big deal. People saw it. They saw it again and again. It ended up uh, having two spinoff television shows. And what? I guess not that long ago, there was an, a spiritual sequel, Sailor Suit and Machine Gun Graduation in 2016, which sounds like a direct sequel to me. It says basically obviously a different actress because she's playing high school and it was made so many years later. Yeah. Uh, like who girl like oh, in the past, she, I'm going to read the Wikipedia page. Fuck it. You just so you know, let us let a small Yakuza group, but it disbanded after she killed her uncle's murderer. She now lives an ordinary li life as a high school student and works as a manager at a cafe. This situation is soon to change. And you're like, okay, that's a direct sequel. Yeah. That's the same right? goddamn thing. Cause this film sailor suit machine gun, it's such a like, it's weird that we haven't seen this already type of concept. Yeah. I, I'm like, there has to be like 
takeoffs of this that I just haven't seen. I'm sure anime fans will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they did this exact same thing and something else since then. But for this, I'm like, okay. So she's playing this high school girl. She's wearing her, her cute little sailor suit. Yeah. And she doesn't seem like she's enormously popular by any stretch of the imagination. Well, she has like three kids, three guys that are just like kind of they're either her friends or like fawning after her. Just like, oh, you're awesome. Nerdy friends. Yeah. Nerdy friends. Like, you're great. And I forget her name. And uh, (laughs) like I watched this a couple weeks ago. And uh, (laughs) Izumi. Yeah, Izumi. And uh, and it's like, you're great and all these things. And then her father just passed away. And that's when she also is then confronted by this. Small, yet at the very, at the time, very large Yakuza. And then you find out that, I don't know, I, God, I loved the idea of this movie altogether because it took everything very straightforward. Well, wait, keep going with the plot. Okay. So she is then told by these, the Yakuza is like, Hey, since your father died, he, our boss, what she uh, didn't know, she didn't know our boss was the, uh, your, uh, your dad's uncle. And he gave on his dying wish, he was going to leave the entire uh, crew to your dad, but he just died. So in our tradition, it goes to you. So you're a boss boss. What do we do? And she's like, huh? And which also it's like the most like ghetto, Yakuza crew ever. There's four of them. There's four guys. Yeah, and it, like it's really cute and funny because at the very beginning, when she's uh, like confronted by all of them, there's like thirty of them. Yeah, and like what is this? And then she's like, "Where, where are all the other guys?" Like, oh, we just hired them for just like to make the the, the make, show of it. Uh, and like yeah. what? And I love that they even address that because I wasn't expecting that. Well, they're like, "We need you to do this," and she's like, "I'm not, I'm a high school kid, and this is all no. I don't want anything to do with this." And yeah. Like, well, I guess then we'll just do a frontal assault on our enemies which will kill us almost certainly yeah it's like uh, let's drink some sake and let's fuck this let's go yeah we're gonna kill ourselves by death by other yakuza and she's like wait wait hold on i can't let you do that uh okay fine i guess i high school cute little high school girl will command a group of four yakuza guys and it's just she actually tries to make this work you know and she's like High school, she didn't want to get into drugs or anything like that. She's just like trying to figure out how the system works and gets gradually more attached to the people who are just undying allegiance to her. Yeah. Four guys who are like, I'll do anything for you. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't even know. And they all have their own unique personalities. Right. And also is like, what is happening? Someone is trying to kill off the remainder here, me and these other people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, quirky but never bizarre it's never bizarre it never goes into surrealism which i really appreciate it never gets absurdist it never gets absurdist and it's all taken like really matter of fact but still there are funny moments i don't even know it's an absurd situation yeah but it never goes from there into like oh and then it gets even more bizarre it's like no it's a totally absurd situation yeah and the fact that other people are like some of the other yakuza guys like uh just like I don't give a shit about this high school girl and other ones are giving her full, like, you know, kowtowing to her to some level. And it's, it's weird, but it all makes sense in the context of the piece. Yeah. And you really like her and you really like these four Yakuza. With yeah. Her, and they don't all make it to be clear. Yeah. And you kind of feel for it when she, that when they you, go down, yeah, you're like, you Oh really man, do. it kind of breaks your heart. Yeah. <laughs> and you like, anytime the, the, a uh, few of the crew guys like get uh capped, you're just like, Cause she feels it too. And like, there's weight to all of it because it also goes back to her losing her dad and like wanting to sort of be free. It's like, I could do anything I want now. But then she has basically these 
this one dad, the main Yakuza guy that's in her crew, that's like, I guess, the right-hand man of the original boss, and the, excuse me, the three other lackeys. And, but, like, she looks at her, him as her dad, and then, then the three other guys like her, like, you know, bumfuck uncles yeah. that are good-natured, even though they're all, they're, they're all murderers. Yeah. Like, they're all bad people. They're Yakuza. They're Yakuza. And they also never, like, I was afraid this is going to turn into one of these things where they're, like, super-sexualizing a high school girl, and it's yeah. not that at all. They, they kind of address that sort of in like a way, but out of, a crush on her, but yeah. out of desperation because they're, you, you get to realize that they one are real people too. And that they have their own insecurities about like their situation and who they are. And it just, they really start to like develop a lot of the characters than I ever thought they were going to do. This is charming and funny and never really seen anything like it, which once again, apologize to any anime fans out there who are like, come on, there's like 18 shows based on Chris, this. They're probably well, Chris, all. Let's just say this. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I've gotten in enough trouble with anime fans as it is. At oh, okay. Point. I'll get in trouble. Uh, fuck them. Uh, see, you heard it for here first. It's right who's pissed off. Right says, fans. fuck you. <laughs> it's not me. I love you guys. You're the best. I just don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he told anyway, me right before the show, he said, fuck them. I finally people. watched 10 episodes of Cowboy Bebop. I haven't finished it yet. But anyway. Oh, the live action? No, the anime. I'm not going to watch the live action. Oh, good first. for you. Guys. I mean, I'll yeah. watch it at some point. No, don't, don't do that. Well, you know, some people disagree with you. On what? Well, I, not I would Netflix. not because I reviewed it and, uh, and <laughs> fucked that goddamn show. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I was most shocked by this because, wow, Takashi Miike's never remade this. Well, Didn't this yeah, feel you feel like, oh, this is a film that Miike would have done by now, a remake of, because that's what Miike, uh, of his, like, I make seven movies a year thing, yeah. often are, like, he takes things from the 70s and 80s and goes, oh, I want I want in on this. And I'm quite frankly so glad that he has not, because I think he, he would have made it absurd. Yeah, he, but I wouldn't necessarily mind a Miike version of this tale. <laughs> I think uh, maybe Sono could have done it better, because I think yeah. adding more absurdity is still not necessarily a bad idea, but Sono tends to be a little more grounded than yeah, Miike yeah. does. But then again, Miike sometimes does practically Shakespearean shit. So I sure. guess you never know. Just feels like this isn't the one he would have done that with. But Arrow does a fine release of this. It looks terrific. Uh, there's two different versions of this, uh, which, you know, the extended director's cut is two hours and 10 minutes. And the original theatrical version is an hour and 51 minutes. So the extended version is much longer. That, I watched that one. It's, okay. So were you aware of differences that you read about or anything? No, I mean, I mean, I, I again, I've not heard about this at all. And so like, I, I didn't really read about the theatrical version because, you know, when I look at these two versions, it's kind of like playing a video. I'm weird. When I play a video game now, I'm only going to play on hard because like that's what the developers no. intended it to be. I play it on baby. Oh, like, no, is no. there a baby level? I'll play it on baby. So level. I, I go for broke even on movies too. I was like, if there's okay. an extended version, I'm gonna, like, I'm going to fucking do that. Fair enough. Now I will say I did not do that with one of the other movies. Okay, we'll get to that. Though. Yes. So this also comes with girls, guns, and gangsters, Shinji Shomei and. Sailor Suit Machine Gun for 51 minutes with act, uh, actor Akira Emoto, film scholar Chika Kinoshita, semi-biographer Tatsuya Kimura, and assistant director Koji Enomoto talking about the legacy of the film and how it's affected other stuff. I did not get a chance to watch this, unfortunately. Maybe that would have told me about all the anime stuff that was that probably exists. <laughs> Trailers and TV spots, image gallery, uh, original press kit. And of course, the insert booklet with the various essays in it. This is great. Highly recommend it. Super fun. More people should see this. 
I kind of want to see a remake of it. I want to see Quentin Tarantino make a remake of it. That should be his last movie. You, you think? Uh, like, there's ever going to be a last Tarantino movie before he dies. He keeps going, I'm going to retire. I don't believe you. Man, I think that's just all our our fear that he is, like, he's going to call our bluff. And actually retire? And He'll actually retire. fucking retire. He's going to pull a Miyazaki. Be like, I'm retired. Six months later, okay, I'm doing another movie. No, I think he's going to do, like, like TV or plays. And then think about, dude, think about if he did a play. Oh my God. You know how big that would be? We're not talking about Quentin. No, we should listen to talk about that. We're not doing that. Okay. It's not the Quentin Tarantino show. Well, that's no matter how much you want it to be. I really want it to be. Yeah. Sorry about that. Anyway, we move on to our next title, which is a Hong Kong uh, action film called Raging Fire. The last film directed by legendary director Benny Chan, who has won multiple awards in Hong Kong, uh, most notably uh, for. Uh, new police story which was sort of a return to jackie chan's police story which is yeah. one of the best ones of the series yeah. actually really really good but uh, it's done any number of great films like a moment of romance in 1990 which is great gen x cops in 1999 mm. yeah uh and it's kind of a big deal that he passed away right after the end of this like there's even a little tribute to him in the mm-hmm. extra features here but this stars the Best martial artist in Hong Kong films, I'm going to argue, who has ever lived, Donnie Yen. And to be fair, that's backed up by literally every other martial artist in Hong Kong films who've gone like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, he knows way more about martial arts than any of us do. Here's a guy who's obsessive compulsive about learning new styles of things. And in fact, when going into this film, well, a few years ago, he went, Hey, I just saw this MMA thing. That's kind of cool. I want to learn how to do that. And then came out of it with some belts and shit, apparently. He's like, this guy already knows like 18 different forms of martial arts and has achieved the top level belts from them. And you're like, he's in his 50s. And he's like, yeah, I think I want to do MMA now. And and he's also a really good actor at the same time. Like, that's what's so impressive about uh, some people who are, you know, you know, Say what you will about like people like you know The Rock, uh, like I still think he's like an extremely charismatic actor, and I think he's like not too bad. But then you think about people with like Donnie Yen or Jackie Chan, I'm like they're not bad. No, no, not at all. And like and Donnie Yen, like with up there with like Jet Li's, like I think they're like and and Bruce Lee too. Uh, I, I think they're like actually fantastic actors oh, at the yeah. same time some of them can be yeah not all of them not, not all of them yeah I, I, I wish uh sammo hung hadn't done that american show for a while which got him off his like doing hong kong films i yeah. love sammo hung he's a great actor he's a great director and a great stunt choreographer one of the original um three big actors with jackie chan in martial arts uh, with him and yuen biao yeah. who were in like everything in the 80s to get it's sometimes together like dragons forever is one of the big ones with them but but nonetheless, but the guy who's the bad guy in this movie, Nicholas, I don't know how to pronounce T-S-E. Is it C? I don't, C. Is it just C? C. Are you just assuming it's C? Uh, I know. I think. Did you look it up? No. <laughs> so you're assuming it's C. I, I think it's C. Okay. But uh, he. Trained, All the anime fans are just like, what under, the fuck? He trained under Sam Hung for learning how to do martial arts. And he trained under Jackie Chan to do stunts. So he is no big, no small really? deal and has been a pretty big actor in his own right. Yeah. And here, Donnie Yen plays Chung Sung Bong. No giggling. Come on. Grow up. Uh, 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 Everyone calls like, hey, Bong. And like. (laughs) He's like, yeah. That sounds oddly racist. I am so sorry. (laughs) 
uh, he's the senior inspector in uh, police force who's very like a by the book. He's very good at what he does and very respected, but like, you know, he's maybe a little too by the book type of thing. And is he by the book? Yeah. And he's cracked a lot of cases. He's well known from them, but he's still an outcast because people are like, Oh, you're that cop who like, you're, you're Serpico. You're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. You're the guy like, Oh, other cops can't trust you. You said like, that I can't do break down the good, bad cops over here. No, don't, don't do the accent. There. Oh, I can't do, I can't no, do. That was bad. Don't do that. I can't do him. You can't do the Hong Kong, the Chinese accent. No, no, no. no I was doing Al Pacino. Oh, were you? Oh, <laughs> sound like you were doing Hong Kong. Sound like you were checking to a Hong Kong. No, accent. I was not. I was oh. doing Al Pacino. I, okay, you didn't end with awesome. No, were you yeah, the edit, hear a sound of a gong. Dong. Oh my god, you're gonna have to edit this part out. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? Right? You racist bastard. I have to. I have to go into sin of a woman, Al Pacino. That's how I do. It's like you. I have to say, you said that I said. <laughs> anyway, hoo-ha. So this flashes back here and there in the first act of like, oh well, he led this group at one point, and they were after a dude, and the the, the cop in question, uh, uh, Nicholas C, like worked under him. He was the you know he. Uh, his was pr- his protege. Mentor, yeah, his yeah, protege. And they were like, oh, get the information out of this guy no matter what. And they beat him to death. And Donnie Yen saw it happen, like showed up at the end of it and was like, what the fuck, guys? And testified against him in court, sent him and the whole group of cops there to jail for a long time. Right. So now the cops are out of jail and they're like, revenge! I have to admit that I did. It was a little tough to like watch because... I didn't understand the, the 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 time difference when the first act break when they were like you know went to prison or whatever the first like fifteen minutes and they came out I was like wait what's <laughs> happening now it like it took me a second because because Nicholas uh, C uh, assumably he he uh, he looks very different it's very <laughs> he looks very different at the very beginning of the movie towards like the rest of the movie yeah in like, the beginning he's all clean cut and shit <coughs> and later he looks like he's in like a Jap uh, a Chinese like punk rock group yeah he look he he's looks cool as shit yeah and so he's like way cool. I I did not know that was him at the very beginning or like when like when he came back on screen so I was like wait who the fuck is, what is going on. And uh, and I was following it, and it took me a second. I was like, oh, I get it. And it's like kind of kind of a straightforward movie where it's really just about him. The he uh, Nicholas C and his lackeys are basically taking revenge because like we got wronged. We're taking revenge on the rest of the cops, and we're going to go to extreme measures to make basically our point made. Yeah, and also profit. And profit over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, the same like, bullshit. Got two like, goals. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, uh, die hard with a vengeance. It's like, oh, I'm avenging yeah. my brother. Like, sure. You know, I'm not going to deny there's a lot of cliches in this. No question. Sure. You know, yeah. But what it comes down to for Hong Kong films, which Hong Kong is not the super strong force it once was in terms of these, either the heroic bloodshed movies like this or the straight martial arts films. I mean, every once in a while you get a really good one, usually from like one of the more outlying RD mm-hmm. directors, you know, like you get a grandmaster every once in a while or something, but like the, these that are made for big audiences, they're not as good as they used to be, or at the very least 
you like stop doing the same shit you were doing in the 80s and 90s exactly it's time to do something a little better but that being said this is huge budgeted they do this very well despite all the cliches donnie yen is amazing all the action is great it's amazing the the uh the special effects like yeah there's like bare it feels like there's barely any cgi or like or if there is cgi is like you can't tell like it's not matted the way that like over normal like explosions would happen just to make it look bigger it's like no that that looked like it fucking happened in camera. I mean, there's great car chases. I mean, this oh, is yeah. both great stunts, great car chases, great explosions, great gunplay sequences. It's filmed really well. It's never going to be, I think, for anybody. It's not a the raid, right? It's not one of those things that no, bring no, no, new no, no. people in from the outside. Yeah. But if you're looking for another really solid, if you like Donnie Yen films, you like Hong Kong heroic bloodshed movies. This is a pretty good one. It's a pretty darn good one. First good one they've had in a while. Yeah, quite frankly, really good one. It stands out, but it's also not a game changer, which is unfortunate because everything, the production level is so good and so high on this. It's yeah. like they've taken a few more chances, but you can also see that MMA thing happening here where Yen's style has changed where that's where, and I saw this in his last two films as well, where you're like, you're starting to do more and more of these sort of MMA takedowns things like crushing somebody's like head between your legs as you're sort of lying side by side type thing. And doing yeah, yeah, on yeah. The ground. like that's MMA stuff. Not like you know, martial arts per se. He's, I mean, all that other stuff is in here too, but like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's altered. It's good though. I like this. I think people, I know a lot of people who love this. Oh, really? I mean, it's okay. It's, it's, it's good. I'll watch this again eventually. Just not rushing to it. And you know what? I won't. Well, that's fair, (sighs) but I'm a big, uh, martial arts and heroic bloodshed fan. So that's me. That's you. You don't know what you're talking about. I do. Why do you, why am I, <laughs> there's a uh three e- very brief epk i'm sorry four very brief epks here yeah uh, and then that's about it. trailers and that's about it it's pretty bare bones blu-ray yeah yeah it's very true all right so we're gonna move on to hard target now available in blu-ray in 4k and this is the first time it's been on 4k and is a massive upgrade apparently from the previous exist uh existing version of this this although not from Hong Kong is in fact the first American film that was directed by the legendary John Woo, who mm-hmm. basically invented the heroic bloodshed genre of is films. Bu- uh, a bullet opera, or what is it called? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the style that he I has. Mean, the killer, hard boiled, Just... bullet in the head. I mean, like, that's heroic bloodshed. Yeah, yeah. You know, like over the top. Uh, somewhat exaggerated, lots of pigeons flying around, uh, or doves. I sorry, see, doves. No, let's see, what's yeah. funny, in this movie, it's pigeons, but, like, every now and then you might see a dove, you're like, hey, I see you, John Woo. <laughs> like, I watched uh, uh, 21 Jump Street, the remake, uh, yeah. just the other day, and uh, I was like, god damn it, I love that they love John Woo, because even when they get out of, like, the limo towards the end of the movie, they have, John Woo they have a box of yeah. doves, yeah. and they fly out. I was like, oh, that's great. I mean, John Woo's stuff became... Like, despite the fact him being a, exclusively a Hong Kong director in the the period of the films that made him a superstar, yeah. the, the killer being the one that first crossed over and people went, oh, my God, who the fuck is this guy? Although I think Hard Boiled is better. Just saying. Oh, my God. Give me Hard Boiled every day. I mean, you should see both of these movies. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. But those movies in 10 seconds after they came out, all those stylistic things became cliches, you know, yeah. despite the fact no one else was doing them. The, he invented them. It was like. 
oh yeah, that's so cliched. And even I remember seeing Hard Target when it came out in the theater and going, oh, this feels so jaded, like dated. But it wasn't really. It was just I had already seen The Killer and the Hard Boiled like ten times. So I I, I appreciate it because I, I have to admit this is my first time ever seeing Hard Target, and okay. uh, I was a little taken aback because I saw two things. I saw America like giving a chance to John Woo, which was like, why haven't you done that yet? Which he did much better stuff immediately after this. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, your face-offs, if you will. And, so. and even uh, 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 Broken, uh, Broken, Broken Arrow, Arrow, yeah, which I know people shit on, but it's super fun. It, all those movies are super fun, except yeah. for, I'm assuming, Gemini Man, which I haven't seen. It, it's got fun stuff in it. Sure. Yeah. But um, you also see America freaking out and saying like, hey, Sam Raimi, can you get on this real quick? It does have Sam Raimi's feel in it. totally Sam Raimi shit. If not, the very end of the movie is when Lance Henriksen, Lance Henriksen and, oh my God, what is... Uh, oh, Arnold Vuzlu. Arnold Vuzlu. From The, the Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah. Uh, they play uh, bad guys together, which... Like I'm reading all of this uh, trivia about the movie, where like they were trying to think of like spinoff movies just before those two characters. Like yeah. one, you failed at life for not doing that because like, that would have been a really fun idea. And also, like I love that that the producers and everyone behind the camera, were like man, that's such great chemistry. Is like I guess so, but also that's such a stupid idea. So we haven't even said that you know the iconic name Jean Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels. Oh yeah, Jean plays yeah. the lead here. He's a New Orleans homeless veteran named Douglas Binder. Hold on, one oh, I'm second. sorry. No, I'm sorry. He is not named Douglas Binder. He, he no, he, no. That's the guy who's being hunted in the beginning. A yes, homeless yeah. veteran. It was a target. Of, all right. So look, this is the backstory behind the most dangerous game. Exactly. That's what yeah, this yes. is. Like the most dangerous game is a movie happening outside of this movie, and this is the guy who stumbles across the most dangerous game because a girl, a hot chick, uh, Yancey Butler, who strangely never became bigger. I always thought she was amazing. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty super good. hot and like really in her own way, kind of a badass. Did you ever see? Uh, she was in a uh, adaptation of an Image Comics thing called Witchblade for two. Seasons. Yes, yeah, that's right. I remember that. I got show. the box out of that. No, oh, wow, that's and it's really pretty good. Weird. I liked that's it. That's really anyway, weird. Uh, but, oh, John Claude Van Damme plays Chan- Chance Boudreaux. Okay, look, <laughs> this is the reason why you need to watch this movie. There's two reasons. One. If you can suspend your disbelief about that Jean-Claude Van Damme is from Louisiana, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, he's French. Well, French-ish. He is not. He is not French. He's literally from Brussels. We're, we're Americans. Every accent that's not British sounds French. That's why I love. I, I actually or like Russian. this. I, that's why. Yeah, that's why I like this movie because they say he's foreign, so he's he has to, he might sound like he's from New Orleans, and. Uh, and then the only other reason, well, not the only other reason, but like another big reason to watch this movie is goddamn motherfucking uh, Wilford, Wilford Brimley. Brimley. Wilford Brimley has is Santa uh, Cajun Santa Claus, yeah. who he's putting on a huge Cajun accent. I'm like, I can watch you do this. He's like all diabetes day. Hawkeye. Oh my god. <laughs> and there there is a moment where like so uh Wilbur Bimley, I forget his name in it. He probably plays, you know, the uh, character uh, from Uncle Duvet. Uncle Duvet. Yeah. God damn it. Uh this, this is a terrible movie. Uh there's a movie there's Wilbur a Wilbur doing a deep Louisiana. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh I can't god. believe that like they went for him like they're do- they're doing it. Yeah. And so there's a point when like um 
uh, Jean Claude and Yancey, uh, what's her face, Butler, yeah. uh, are uh, like trying to escape uh, Lance Henderson and Arnold Vosloo, and uh, they go to Wilver Bloom's house. It's like, do you still have my uh, my weapons? It's like, well, I got your <laughs> shotgun, and and the shot, Wilver, nothing is like watching and and John Woo filming this and John Woo is like I got this where he films a slow-mo action of Wilfer Bimley tossing Jean-Claude a silver shotgun and then he gets it and then he looks at it like he's going to fuck the shit out of this shotgun and it's like the sh- the sun is shining on and beaming on the shotgun and he's like Shh. it's like it's a fucking sword yeah and uh, and everyone's looking at it like whoa I'm he's gonna kill make that sword sound that they do in every movie why yeah. didn't they do Shing. that oh my god they <laughs> missed opportunity that's yeah. that's the one bad thing about this movie even you know the rest of it well, too. other than everything else yeah yeah about this i mean movie. the movie is fun and it's, it's dumb fun it's dumb fun like anybody championing this as being a genuinely good movie i'm i'm sorry it's not but i would have no problem with you enjoying how much fun it is anyway oh it's yeah super stupid like there's so many stupid things in here you're like oh my god and i don't even mean like nitpicking i mean absurdly over the top stupid there's a scene where john claude van damme catches a rattlesnake and knocks oh, it punches unconscious it. with a punch which it's i'm famous. pretty sure is not possible like i don't think you can knock a rattlesnake unconscious with a punch i think I literally and you literally watch the lights go out in its eyes oh, like, it's like, like <laughs> yeah and i'm what what just happened and then the rattlesnake is on his side i guess i Look, don't know everyone looked at each other that day and then they were like <laughs> this is the dumbest thing in the world and then finally everyone looked at each other and they're like no one Fuck it. I mean, despite the over-the-top John Wooisms, which, like I said, have no question become very dated. In fact, I often say there's a long period where John Woo was like just making shitty imitations of his best of himself for for like a decade until he made Red Cliffs, which is mm-hmm. an amazing masterpiece of of historical epic like warfare incredible and like that avoids all that shit. Just yeah, like, wow, he can he's got it still, but. This is one of those, the one of the first films that I was like, uh oh. I, I remember seeing going, ooh, this is not good. This is like so cliched, but I can watch it now with a sense of like, I'm laughing at it, but in a way that I'm glad I'm watching it. I, I look at it now, uh, reading the trivia. This is how you should watch this movie. If you haven't watched this movie, watch it as if. Sam Raimi is over the shoulder of John Woo the entire time. And you kind of have a lot more fun because if you're a big Sam Raimi fan, you'll start to see little glimpses of Sam Raimi in all the film, the the, the entire film, especially at the end of the movie where I guarantee the end of the, uh, of Lance Henriksen's character is totally Sam Raimi and is totally what happened in Spider-Man. Also for the record there, like this ends in, in the middle of the Bayou nowheresville, there's a new Orleans parade warehouse, right? <laughs> that everything is apparently filled with gunpowder, I guess, or explosives. Cause no matter what you shoot, yeah. it just blows, blows up, up hugely. But, but Lance Henderson, he, he does the same fucking thing that Willem Dafoe does at the end of, uh, Spider-Man where it's, it's exact same shot where he's trying to get, he's trying to get, 
a, a grenade out of his crotch and uh and he takes out the the whatever the hell is called uh the the fuse out of the grenade and but the spark ends up uh, igniting the grenade and it rocket zooms to his face he's like oh and uh and and then he explodes and the same thing happens to Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man I was like that's fucking Sam Raimi right there I I see you Look, right there this is fun you've got to be prepared for this type of big dumb action but for big dumb action this is probably one of the better filmed of the big famous big dumb action films sure and this is right up there with commando and shit like that we're like this is moronic but it's really well made yeah yeah Wu films the action like crazy this is one of the best that uh, van damme has looked on screen doing his action that's the thing you can't you can't argue with look you can't argue with how john Wu is making his movies because they all look good and they're all filmed or they all the the choreography is done pretty well even though there's a lot of sun doubles yeah because <laughs> oh my god and and it's it's not like bad in that respect it's just the story is completely idiotic also most egregious mullet ever oh man man this is mullet they should just have retitled this and retitled films all the time should have recalled it mulletsville louisiana mullets mulletsville louisiana yeah, right yeah. But, and the villains are great. Hendrickson is over the top and ridiculous. Vuzlu is over the top and ridiculous. It's it's dumb fun, but you got to be in the mood for this type of movie. Yeah. Uh, there is an audio commentary on a brand new one on the 4K featuring action film historians. That's a job you can have now. Brandon Bentley and Mike Leader. We are doing the wrong job. Uh, right? Yeah. It's like, if that's a job that we are doing life incorrectly. There's a great interview with John Wu, a modern interview from hard boiled to hard target where he's, and he speaks English really well too. So it's like literally in English. It's yeah, not yeah. subtitle. It's not like, you know, translated. And he talks about his experience of like going from China to America. And it's really interesting. Lots of cool information. There's an interview with Lance Hendrickson, interview with Yancey Butler, interview with the stunt coordinator, uh, trailers, trailer gallery. And yeah, this is fun. You should, you should, if you've never seen hard target and this is your type of thing, then what are you doing? Oh my God. If you like these type of big, dumb action movies, why have you not seen hard target? I mean, I don't know. When the next time I'll rewatch Hard Target, it'll probably be quite some time from now because this isn't a film I glory in. You know, I'm not Brian Salisbury from Junk Food Cinema where I rewatch this <laughs> type of thing over and over again. But I mean, I'm more the guy for horror stuff like that. But right, right. Action. But still, you know, he likes bad action. I like bad horror. What are you going to do? But still, well worth seeing. It's fun. All right, you ready for the one that we warned the viewers, or viewers, we're not being filmed the video, listeners of Blue Monkey, that funky monkey, I, Blue Monkey, Monkey. I, I don't, I don't get it. Because like, they say Blue Monkey once in this movie, and I was like, uh, So originally it was supposed fuck? to be called Green Monkey. And Wait, it was supposed to be called Green Monkey? Yeah, but then there was like the AIDS thing with the green monkeys in Africa. You know, like, oh, AIDS came from green monkeys in Africa. And they're like, oh, well, this might get the wrong connotation. So wait, but like monkeys have nothing to do with this. Nothing. At nothing point, to do with this. At one point, someone says blue monkey in it. And I can't remember what that is. Nothing to do with anything. You're like, what? It was also originally called just insect. But yeah, that's the title in the, the, the film. When I was yeah. like insect, I was like, wait, let's go. Well, the reverse blue, blue, blue uh, copy cover of this, because you can flip the, the artwork says insect. So you get the insect version oh. of it. And you didn't look, you didn't see it. Right is now opening up the Blu-ray and saying it. Oh, there you, you know, go. The insect you know what? Version. It's equally as stupid. Okay, fair enough. 
<laughs> oh my god, the the other art in this is really bad. Well, uh, this is from Code Red, which is apparently working with Kino Lorber now to re, uh, distribute their films, mm. and they mainly do sort of horror and schlock type stuff. Blue Monkey is a 1987 horror film directed by Canadian director William Fruett, who, you know, I mean, like, did a couple things of minor notice, like Death Weekend in 1972 and Killer Party in 1986, and also did episodes of Goosebumps and Poltergeist the Legacy. Ah, you forgot there was a Poltergeist TV series. I did not forget that. I remember watching that show. Do you really? I do. I never saw it. I, it was not good. I'm aware of its existence. That's Just as bad as uh, Blue Monkey. Like, is there a good poltergeist after the original poltergeist? Because I don't think there is. No. There Which is, is a shame because that first one's kind of a masterpiece. And, and, and Poltergeist 2 just only brings out a little bit more of the... It's a Native American, the othering. The only thing that, that's good about that is that they introduced the, their version of the tall man. Yes, exactly. Who's super creepy and cool. Carolan. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Oh, about, I can talk not, about that all day. But we're not. We're talking about Blue Monkey. God I, know you, I know you don't want to. But uh, hey, hey, this stars Steve Railsback. Okay. Who's never next, been in a movie, bad movie. The next movie <laughs> no, is... No, uh, no. Has Steve Railsback ever been in a good movie? Oh, wait, yes. Life Force. He was in Life Force. And he played Charles Manson in the 76 famous television miniseries of Helter Skelter. And he also played Ed Gein in the Ed Gein movie. Did he? Uh, in the early 2000s. Remember oh, he was in Cockfighter, which is really good, too. I don't know what that movie is. Uh, it is a uh, uh, adaptation of a Charles Williford novel. The same. Did you ever see? Uh, uh, oh, God. What was it called? Uh, the uh, Never mind. Anyway, the point is. Williford was a great noir writer that like had there are a couple good ones. Wait, we even he was in what from here hell? to eternity. What the hell is this? What is Blue Monkey? That it's that funky monkey. All right. So anyway, it's about this insect that comes from like old people who are working with their plants, and it bites one of them, and they get infected, and then they get impregnated basically with a parasite, and the parasite comes out. And it was just the way a tiny that you just described that is like very defeated. It's like it's, it's about a, a bug. I feel defeated by this movie. A bug that is like just bites old people and then like infects people. Yes, and that's about it. It's about like, it. That's, no, that's literally no, it. It's a that's tiny it bug, is. and then these little kids who live in this hospital for reasons that are unclear, where the old people are brought to cancer. Yeah, I, was that it? Yeah, they're all have cancer because they don't seem like they have cancer. They're just running around like the Chris, orphans the, and Chris, Annie. They're actors. Okay, okay, fair enough. And they're like, what? What if we take this cool little bug we found and pour a bunch of shit we don't know what it is that we found in this laboratory into it? Right. And one of them is like a science growth hormone thing. And it turns into a giant, like, praying mantis-ish type thing. You couldn't really see it very well, too. I mean, you you see it pretty well at points. A couple points, but like... I mean, I thought it was a cool-looking insect monster, as insect monsters go. It was a cool blue monkey, as it would say. (laughs) Uh, So it's taking it over the hospital, and it's creating more larvae, and... There's like this old couple that I think are lesbians. It's unclear. Like a, no, no, no. It's, it's it's the 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 woman. They're, they're just old like old friends. Oh, because dude, they're totally scissoring. Them. No, no. 
Why? No, because like remember the the one old lady who goes in the hospital first that she was asked out by the old guy yeah. who was doing the the trimming of her bushes, yeah, as it were. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. and uh, wow. and so uh, no, but her friend who's blind comes in. She's like, "Fuck medicine." That's what they call gray gardens, right? Like, look. <laughs> Oh, oh my god uh, wow uh, yes <laughs> but no it seems like this this is the most like anti like pandemic movie you could watch right now because yeah. like that old lady comes in like fuck science and I fuck quarantine and she's like we're just gonna get like get drunk the yeah, entire she time she brings in her flask and they're like let's get fucked up and then they find out that's actually the kind of the remedy yeah spoiler spoiler uh, getting drunk <laughs> kills the thing and but it, it uh, doesn't matter this isn't the kind of film with any suspense it's Steve Railsback who's like a cop who comes in and I kind of like I kind of like Steve Railsback I, mean, I, I like Steve Railsback yeah. did you think the entire time that he was lying that Railsback was lying? That he was a detective. Uh, that he, I, I personally thought, watching the movie, that I thought he was actually a criminal. What? That just was a good guy in no, the end. I didn't see that. I saw you wanted to fuck the, the hot female doctor. Oh, sure. But like, I, I, like, cause Steve, Steve Railsback is, uh, is a, a total sleazeball. Yeah. And I thought that he was he a bad normally, guy the entire time. He normally plays a total sleazeball. Right. Here he's, here he's playing not so much of a sleazeball. He's not really, but like, he, like, I just thought there was, he was, I think he's such a good actor. There's like, well, there's something behind really? all of this. Such a good actor. I think he's actually kind of a good actor. I was actually kind of like smitten by him. I was like, I think he's going to fuck over this whole thing where he's going to be like, fuck you people. I'm actually incredible. I'm trying to save my friend, uh, who I said was a detective that like got shot and all this kind of shit. Wright's weird take on this film. I got a weird take on this movie. going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, of course, to be fair, I'm the one picturing the two old ladies. Like I would remake it as if he was actually a criminal and said he was a detective and he went to the hospital. They got to take down this thing. And meanwhile, like it's clear very quickly that there's an infection in this hospital. So the place is put under lockdown by the national guard and they're like, we'll shoot anybody who comes out and, Yada yada. I don't know, man. This is dumb. There's some decent gore scenes in it, but it's it's ridiculous. If you like really dumb eighties horror, like monster horror, this is one of them. A cheap alien knock knockoff. Um very late in the history of alien knockoff. Man, it's not gory that much. And yeah. it's, it's got a few gross out scenes. A, f- a couple. Yeah. Like seriously, Nothing I mean when you special. say few, you like to say three. And then the idea that like the early on, like we for some reason have this huge laser in the hospital, like this giant NASA laser in the hospital. I, I know, well, I wonder yeah. if that will be. It's Chekhov's NASA laser, is what it is. It, so, it, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it, honestly, it's kind of boring. It is kind of boring. It's kind of boring. I mean, I get there. This is going to have its fans, and it does. It does have its fans. There is a cult following behind this movie. And you know what we say about fans. Fuck you. Is that what we say about fans? I've been saying that about fans so I don't, far. I don't say that. Fuck about you, fans. That's on right. That's on right. It's like, he's like anime fans and Blue Monkey fans. He's like, fuck <laughs> you. Fuck both of you. I'm like, no, this is not what digital noise is. Oh, this is what I'm bringing to the table. Oh, my God. Fuck you, fans. I didn't hate this, but I certainly am not going to. I didn't to love it, and I didn't like incredibly like it. Oh, can I bring out John Vernon, who, of course, is Dean Warmer in Animal House and the mayor in Dirty Harry? That man is literally 
immortal. He's the greedy hosp- corporate hospital director here. I'm like, oh, of course, John Verner is playing this role in, he, in this film. He has not aged a day ever in his life well, or something? that he's dead now. Well, sure. I but assume like, so, actually. Is he dead? He um, must be. Uh, but like he, as soon as he hit yeah. 47, yeah. he's never aged since then. He's just the same age all the way through. He's like Willem Dafoe. Once he hit a certain age, yeah. like, that's your age for the rest of your life. It's crazy. Did you see those pictures of Willem Dafoe that were making the rounds lately where he's 20? Yeah. And he looks like Kurt Cobain or something. You're like, yeah. oh my God, dude, you used to be young and hot. What happened? He, he either smoked himself to death or he just like aged. He, he and, he and, and uh, 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 What's his name? Tom Waits. We're like hanging out in the wrong super smoky opium den. Together. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just we're like, we're like aging in a whiskey barrel and then smoked like a million cigarettes. Yeah. And just like they, they look the exact same, but at the same time, they're just like their skin is like, they can just stretch it. So like super young Tom Waits recently in uh, the 4K of the Outsiders. And he's only in it for a minute, but I was like, that can't be Tom Waits. Yeah. It's so young. Mm-hmm. And, but he's still like, well, for this one, we're going to have to go all the way back to the and Civil the War. And witches <laughs> and the pirates. And the, 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 the. There's no extras here. There's a trailer. I mean, come on. it's You know if it's your thing or not. Let's move on to a film that Wright hated. And I didn't. I was a little forgiving of, mainly because I'm like, you know what? I can admire a low-budget, super low-budget horror movie that's just trying to do something a little bit different. That is The Spore. It's a super low-budget, pandemic-made Horror film. I was made during the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, really oh, fuck them even more then. DM Cunningham. Uh, it's only available on DVD. You know, uh, look, uh, I kind of like the fact that it just starts with like, there's no lead up. It's just because of global warming, which is irrelevant really. But, you know, yeah, they say right in the beginning, like there's a bunch of news story type bits. Like uh, global warming, probably the play incessantly but throughout the film. Spore is uh, awoken after lying dormant uh, below ice fields in the Antarctic, which you know could actually happen. To be fair, like they, all the time they're like, they're, "We're finding new shit all the time now that's melting out here." I mean, like, come on, like, you, you heard it here, folks. Chris is trying to be fair. Iceman, Velociraptors, the thing. All the shit is coming for us, is all look, I'm saying. Look, I I appreciate. I love that he immediately says like, "Right, hated this movie." And why does he? Why does he know that? Because I immediately texted him while I was watching this. Poor, I was he like, said, I, "I hate this. Movie. I hate this." Movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it's just stories. It's an anthology kind of where one yeah. kind of leads into the other story. Totally, kind of on the run from like these things that at first it's like, okay, so you find there's like bodies of people that have it and like you can be infected with it pretty easily, but not everybody has the same level of going to be infected or not. I guess it's kind of loosey goosey. Here's the thing. I would, I felt conned in a way uh, where I thought the very beginning of this movie, I was like, Oh shit, this is going to be sort of a, um, uh, like a slight art house movie. Cause like, I will say that the movie is shot fairly well. And, uh, there's a lot of like little, uh, uh, like little, like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like breaks in the film okay. where they just show like the, the spores or like the, or like the, the, the fauna of the, the forest is just like blooming or something like that. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then, uh, cause it was shot very well. It was like, it, it was, uh, the, the cameras they had are very cool. But then as soon 
as people showed up, I was like, ooh, they're not good. Okay, at this. the actors are not good. I'm going to give not you that good. 100%. They're definitely not good. There's a, you know, they're not uniformly bad. There are people like, uh, you know, oh, he come gasped on. at his own exclamation. You can only do so much with what you got. But, but, but you can, you can hire other, like, there's, there's a good story here. It's just like they hired really, what I liked about this isn't that it's this pandemic story Uh about this happening. I mean, who cares about whatever they're trying to say? Whatever. Who gives a shit? Like, there's nothing subtle here. Oh, yeah, Yeah. fine. But anyway, I like that it sort of goes into like basket case type levels, like Henlotter stuff, which I didn't expect. About halfway through, it started going, oh, well, when it sits in someone long enough and they're able to survive it, they turn into this crazy fucking beast monster thing. That oh, birth, yeah, like the critters They give birth crap. to giant fucking Pac-Man oh, critters. I, I, okay. I, I was like, that's insane. And I, I just was, forgot about that. I was kind of loving that shit. I was like, this is you, goofy and ridiculous. And I kind of loved I was with it, man. I was like, that is so bat shit and it looks kind of good the effects were not terrible i'm sorry it did the effects were not terrible my eyes have literally ruled out of my head they did they just exploded they just some great effects i cannot see anything i i went i kind of dig what they're doing with this and like it's super low budget and once again taking that into into my you know analysis of it going forward this low budget of a film these effects look pretty goddamn good and there's a few moments that i thought really worked there's a whole sequence where a guy sort of busts into this girl's like garage that she's like holding out and their drama between them is he she's like i don't trust you i don't want you in here and the way it develops it was like, the only I good like part of the this, movie but it's a big part of the movie that's the t- that's a fucking end it's like 30 minutes of the movie. No, it's... Yeah, but like, it's the end of the movie. I don't know what to tell you, right? It was pretty good. Oh, man. It, it is it is very boring. I support it, this film. I do not support this film. <laughs> I think that um, this is a case of, uh, of delusions of grandeur where <laughs> they... has got to start from somewhere. I've seen look, your short films. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and they're all great. You heard it here on Digital Noise. Uh, but they... What I what I don't uh, what I, I I criticize about the film is that with the low budget that they have, they they didn't they 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 went they kind of w- like went too crazy with the 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 practical effects with the 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 puppets and the uh, I love the, the puppet stuff, but like it looks bad and it looks cheesy it as fun. hell. It was fun. Look, I get it was fun, but like I think that the the idea of the film, the very beginning, yeah. like the cold open, I thought that was extremely effective. Yeah, and I thought that's I what the I thought that was the the movie was well, going to be about. The tone changes completely after that, and and the tone changes completely. And I think that this is a case of that the film doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. Well, which the is, problem is it doesn't have a script. Because ultimately, you're like, it ends with a, wait, is there not another segment? Right. It just ends. You're like, oh, okay. So here's the setup. Now. Here's the premise. Here's a couple things that happened during it. And that's all you get. I did do some research about this. Oh, boy. And I found out that DM Cunningham, the director, the write-in director of this movie, the reason, not not necessarily the reason why he made this. Oh, my God. Is he the guy who killed your parents? (laughs) He, I am so sorry, right? <laughs> that I was defending this. I didn't know. 
I swear to God. That we had a murderer that we were. Oh, he's uh, on the loose. Uh, he's making movies. He's making moderately terrible movies. Uh, he is. He has a movie called Zombie Girl Go Boom Boom. Look. How can you not love this guy? He, he owns a Halloween, uh, like costume shop and a mask shop. Right. And so he made this because he, I'm assuming he had leftover crap and he was like, let's make a movie. That's not a terrible reason to make a movie. It's not a terrible reason to make a movie, but it's also not a reason to make the movie. I don't know if that's true. Well, because it doesn't seem like that he knows how to make a movie. Well, I, I don't disagree with that necessarily, but sometimes you get happy accidents. And you know what? We didn't. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to a film that you could probably describe in much the same way, but from 1989 that Arrow uh. put out called Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. This has to be one of the most awkward, terrible titles ever. Like, why do they add Eric's Revenge to this title? And you know of what? the Mall got it. If you want a thorough review of this film, all you have to listen to is Trash in the Can, because <laughs> we did actually do this movie with... Tessa Morrison on a famous episode of Trash Again. Wait, how long ago was that? It was a while ago. Okay, uh, that was way before I found out who Tessa was. Yeah, this was a, this a couple. Yeah, this was a couple years ago. Right. She she actually brought this to our attention. Fan of the uh, fan in the mall. Eric's Revenge. Actually, it was actually she brought the first time Phantom of the Paradise. Which okay, look. Yeah. I do understand that Phantom of the Paradise is not a trash in the can movie, but we did it, and we also think it's terrible. Uh, I, uh, I, thank you. People worship that fucking movie, and I'm like, this is not a good movie. Those people, I, here, here, just between us girls, yeah, the movie's fucking awful. I didn't like it either. It's terrible. I, I remember now, we reviewed we, it on Digital Noise, and I'm trying to be nice because people love it so much, and I'm like... I don't really. No, it's stupid as fuck. There's things about it I like. Like I like Paul Williams. I like seeing Paul Look, Williams Paul, and stuff. Just deliver it. Like Paul Williams <laughs> is fucking great. I love Paul Williams. But who do He's, we get instead of Paul Williams here? We get Polly Shore. We get Polly Shore. First ever film experience. He's yeah. not playing the Phantom of the Mall. We'll no, he's clear. not. He's, he's just like a guy who's he's like playing Polly he, Shore. He's the weasel in the store in the mall. Actually, yeah. did you see the shirt that he's wearing? No. It says. Uh, the Weasel. Okay, so Polly Shore was already known as a stand-up comedian in L.A. at this point, who the director, Richard Friedman, apparently found and was like, oh, yeah, we really like him. I don't know. that didn't. Maybe you shouldn't make a movie if you're like, I really like Polly Shore. But this All of this before, is extremely accurate because this, like that, that should be like evidence for the rest of his career. This is before everybody was sick of Polly Shore, which happened two seconds after he put out his first movie, if you ask me. Look, but I do not Southern Law. Is not that bad. I don't know. I don't continue, uh, continue with I, that. Anyway, no, he's just a guy. He's one of the main characters here, or main supporting characters. But he's like not doing the whole the weasel shit. He's like a very, very, very toned down version. Well, of he's Polly just like, Shore. hey, buddy, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, this is how you talk to the ladies, man. Yeah, but he's not doing it to the point where we want to shoot him in the head. No, how is he still alive? How has no one shot him in the head? Oh man! Well, he did. He did a. Never mind. I don't care. Anyway, so it's a mall. There's a phantom. It's a mall. It's a phantom. There you go. Boom. Yeah, you know, I mean, it starts off right from the beginning, very clear. Like, I wonder who the phantom is. It's very clear from the beginning. It's it's kind of crazy. I remember the first time we watched this when we were talking about this. That it's like, wait, was there any kind of like mystery behind this because it clearly states that the phantom is the guy who, right from the beginning. 
who, right from the beginning. And, uh, it, like, it's, it's as if he's even like, so I'll see you later. And, uh, like, he's, he's totally the, the, the quote unquote bad guy. And, uh, which by the way, the other bad guy, the superficial bad guy, do you know who that actor is? Uh, the, 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 the uh, the owner of the mall. Oh, um, shit. I don't remember offhand. I will say he is the, I did, but this has Ken Forey from Dawn of the Dead in it. I don't care. Uh, well, really? The, the, Ken the man, Forey? Yeah, I know Ken Forey's in it. It's um, a set in a mall. It's got it, the guy from Dawn of the Dead it's in great, it. It's great. It's uh, great. But you know who the main bad guy is? Oh, Jonathan he, Goldsmith. He is the most interesting man in the world. He is the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah You're go. right. You anyway, so super hot chick uh, who he's used not, to date he's this guy. He's not Spanish, by the way. He doesn't like Disney. There's a super hot chick, and she used to date the guy, this guy who like died in a fire. Except, did he die in a fire? Because they never found his body, which, you know, is kind of like Kingpin at the end of Hawkeye. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's dead. Come on. Have him off screen. Spoilers! <laughs> I already watched it. No, I know. I was like, come on. They're like, go off screen, gunshot. You're like, oh, yeah, of course he's dead. All right. He shot an arrow in his chest and he was like, bam. He's like, nothing. Yeah. I was like, you shot him in the eye, fine. To be fair, the same exact thing happened in the comics and he was just temporarily blinded. So, you know, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, we brought up Brock back Vincent D'Onofrio over one episode and we're just going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Went off on a tangent there. This is dumb but kind of fun because of it's just drenched in the 1980s-ism of it i mean it's just every dumb slasher film but with like i don't know like it almost feels like they're aware of how dumb it is but i'm not sure that they are almost enough almost and like they have a good enough amount of gore and uh and it's it's stupid enough and And it almost has kind of dark man shit in it in a way yeah in a way i you know i love me some dark man i, I love dark you know man they're talking about a remake now <gasps> oh geez i just killed right oh my god the only way you can do it is get liam ba- ne- liam neeson back or they get liam neeson to play uh bruce campbell at the a, end of the first dark he man has a movie. specific set of scars oh my god <laughs> I love Dark Man. It is it is fantastic that that movie exists because Sam Raimi was like, "Fuck superheroes! I'm going to make my own superhero movie," and he did it. And, and it's now he's great. doing Doctor Strange, and so. he's doing Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, but Phantom of the the Mall or whatever. Oh yeah, I forgot. Called. Morgan Fairchild plays like the mayor of the town. <laughs> Morgan Fairchild gets impaled in this movie. Dude, she gets hardcore impaled. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, that's really fucking gory. And she was kind of a big deal at this time. Yeah, you know, and, uh, for and TV. She, and she was like, this feels like she's slumming it. Uh, because this is not like look. This is the era in which TV stars rarely were able to make the transfer to films. It's oh, not yeah, like it is yeah. now no, or has right, been yeah. for a while. Yeah. You know, TV stars were TV and if they were in movies, they were in trashy shit like this. You know, there were a few exceptions like your Tom Selleck's, but like generally speaking, <laughs> like and Tom Selleck was like he was two inches away from being Indiana Jones. That's right. Yeah, He yeah. was the first choice. And then they were like, Oh, uh, the word got out that, you're going to be cast as Indiana Jones in a Spielberg Lucasfilm. So now we're renewing your contract for Magnum PI and you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which happens, unfortunately, all too often. But oops. Yeah. I forgot. I have a Bruce Willis about something, but I can't remember. What Moonlighting. No, there's something where like they did that where they were like, oh, we're renewing your contract. And then he didn't get to play something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, anyway. Anyway, this is not good. 
but it sure is entertaining in its own way. If you like big, dumb 80 slashers, this is drenched in the eighties, dumb, slutty girls, you know, showing their tits, uh, ridiculous over the top killer with a secret lair inexplicably beneath in with, that, a, with a great in voice caverns I, underneath a mall. Betsy, I, 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 I loved you. And I, 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 I will tell you that we will. Jeez, f- <coughs> oh, you can't do it. There are no Tom Waits. I can't do it. For this line reading, we have to go all the way back to the Civil War. <laughs> that That's really hard. Fan of them all, I give you aces for that voice right there, because I don't know how you fucking did it. I don't know. It's entertaining enough, I guess, if you like this sort of thing, which we've you know said what? like 18 times during this. If you, if you like this podcast. sort of thing, listen to an old episode of Trash in the Can, yeah, yeah, starring Eric Samaniego and Wright Sulek, and with mm. special guest Tessa Morrison. There's three audio commentaries on this thing. <laughs> Why? Uh, you know, three different audio commentaries. Who the fuck is talking about this? I, 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 uh, did you listen to it? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Two commentaries and one audio interviews with the composer and associate producer. No, of course I didn't listen to it. I right? didn't listen to it either. No, Shop Till You Drop, which is the great name for a commentary on this. That's, that's I feel like great. I feel like, uh, like uh, what's that's, the one? A Chopping Mall. Probably. Chopping Mall, yeah. That's, that's well. not bad. 42-minute uh, engaging featurette, which was actually fun. I did watch that. I was like, oh, oh good for you because I didn't. Oh, it's super fun. It's everyone like now it's a new featurette and everyone's like having a great time talking about it. Like this was so dumb and just having a good time. It's oh, fun good for them. Uh, but the theme song was done by like uh, going all the way back to Chris as a teenager, this great sort of comedy punk rock band called the Vandals, which Oh, the Vandals. The, yeah. Their album Peace Through Vandalism is still one of the all time great sort of, you know, tongue in cheek, hardcore punk rock classics. Yeah. Like it's right up there with the dead milkman. Like, Oh, listen to this. It's so much fun. It'll get stuck in your head. Every song on it is like an earworm, but interview with the, the uh, Joe Escalante from that band who did the theme song. There's seven and a half minutes of alternate and deleted scenes. <clears throat> Cold from the TV cut of the film, which is also available here on disc two. Uh, the, I guess it's, I think it's slightly longer. Uh, it's alternate re-edited and deleted scenes. So it's sort of like, it's not just the TV cut. It kind of combines the two. I, I watched that cut. Oh, I was I'm like, sorry. There's also that cut, the, which is an hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. the longer cut. Okay. And then I, again, like I said, I go for broke. You do. I did not. I watched the theatrical cut. I almost always just watch the theatrical cut. But then we'll go to another Arrow film, Mill of the Stone Women. And the next film is... I can't uh, believe that you really dislike this. I thought this was kind of cool. This is 1960 Italian horror film, uh-huh. and it's notable for being the first Italian horror film in color, ever shot in color. Good for them. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Look, there's a whole tradition in horror, in both literature and in film, of the the frozen, like I told you before, I don't read and I don't uh, watch movies of the frozen women, which is you know uh, House of Wax <coughs> things like that. The idea of like this, what are, where are they from? I mean, like the moment you see that the major conceit here is this guy runs this sort of weird historical restoration of a clock tower thing where women go around in a circle that are wax figures that represent famous people like Joan of Arc and whatever who mm-hmm. died, and they're kind of all like gory and brutal but they all look a little too realistic you're like yeah those are those have got real dead women those are corpses right there those are those are some corpses but you follow this writer 
Hans, who goes to this remote island in Holland where he's researching a story about this fabled place called Mill of the Stone Women, this carousel of female statues that goes around by this art professor and sculptor named, not even kidding, Gregorius Wall. Was that his name? That's his name, Gregorius Wall. Christ. That's a great name. You got nothing? Yes. Anyway. I got nothing. I mean, like, yeah, that is a name. So that is a name to choose. So he he's in there, and even though he's got like a kind of fiance on the side, or sort of fiance, like will be a fiance, like girl is interested in him, and he's clearly interested in her, but they haven't really made that move yet. Yeah, he goes, and his daughter, the professor's daughter, Elfie, is like. She is Italiano. Yeah, like she, this actress, Scylla Gabble, worked often as a stand-in for Raquel Welch and Sophia Loren. Oh wow, she is busty. She is a boom shield. Yeah, she's she's a boom a bum chicka bow bow. Yeah, she. As uh, as our lead character, who evidently is German, which he is not, because everyone in this movie is extremely Italian, uh, she's a boomschel. A what? A boomschel. What is that? Bombshell. Oh. I, I tried to I, I, I tried to put an umlaut. Boomschel. Boomschel. Is that how the Germans would pronounce it? Or That's the how they would, would pronounce it. I don't know. Accents, much for you, much like with me, are not your strong point. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? Anyway, so the professor is like, oh, Elfie has this illness, uh, killed her mom. So you have to be very, like, just don't even talk to her. Because, like, any shock could fucking kill her. But Elfie is like, hey, dude, want to fuck? And he's like, kind of, yeah. But also I heard that, like, I probably shouldn't. And then they kind of fuck. And then she's like, oh, my heart. And like, oh, shit. What the fuck? Like, they did warn you, dude. Look, I mean, I- not that I can blame you. Elfie is a... Uh, She's a hottie. she's a boom shield. Unbelievable hottie. Like and I I um I was confused. I'm still doing the plot here. All right. Oh, you are getting Let me keep okay. going here. Okay, go do the plot because so, I, I'm looking at the discs and I'm like, I I I I I I Anyway, so Hans dies and and I'm sorry, not Hans dies. Elfie dies. Yes. And uh and he's like, Oh shit, like nobody knows that it's because of what I did. Like fucking her basically and uh i, I feel guilty about this and he like goes back to the place he's still like oh, well i guess i gotta finish my i got a work permit so i gotta finish my story here and he starts having hallucinations of her and shit and like weird stuff happening and then starts thinking that maybe she's not actually really dead and it's you know it, this is very creepy gothic <laughs> trying to be poe stuff and it's not gory like really at all no but i i really was kind of shocked you didn't like this because i found myself somewhat enamored with all of its just gorgeous cinematography and a lot of the sheer beautiful creepiness of the whole thing, the gothicness of it. I, I was really quite taken with it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was well shot, but I, I was kind of just bored with the story in the end. Okay. And that's really what it comes down to as I, I wasn't really taken by what was happening. <laughs> And uh, and I feel bad because, you know, it's the first Italian uh, movie ever or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, you obviously uh, don't feel that bad. <laughs> and, uh, I feel bad because the first movie that did something. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck whatever they, they fucking did. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and so I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I 
You didn't get into it. I didn't get into it. It, it felt very it, soap opera to me. It's slow burning. It, like, look. Oh, it's super soul burning. Look, look, if you like the show Dark Shadows, and I mean the original British show Dark Shadows. You'll hate this. Is, this. No, no, I disagree. I think this is totally for you. I think people who like that show to, will to, love this. Yes, yeah, I bet. And you know what? I've never seen Dark Shadows, and I yeah. bet I would fucking hate it. You might. It's a, Well, to be fair, it is a soap opera. So. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Give me all my children all day. Really? Were you an All My Children guy? It's only because my grandmother watched it all the time. And I was like, All My Children, I was keeping up with it. And I was like, okay. You were, were you watching during the period with the multiple personality check? And then she was possessed by Satan Chris, and stuff? of course I fucking That was. was awesome. Yeah, it was fucking great. Did somebody make a super cut of just the good stuff from All My Children in General Hospital from the 80s? Dude. Where it got like super John Marie and crazy? That's all you gotta I've do. talked about this way too much over the years. But yeah, All My Children had like multiple personalities. She was possessed by the devil later. It was great. And then General Hospital had like... Like a guy named Robert Scorpio who showed up out of nowhere who had a British accent so therefore he must be a super spy which of course he was but he was also like Indiana Jones type and they like went on a quest into the jungle to find like a sacred prince uh, ice princess statue that gave people mystical powers and they fought a guy who was like an evil hypnotist from like another dimension or some shit that they had to do shit with I'm totally serious this is <laughs> General Hospital those okay, are, I'm sneezing. I don't know <laughs> He's allergic to like soap operas in the 80s. But clearly. whoa, I did not know any of those things. Someone needs to put together a supercut of just the great stuff from someone. Shows. Someone needs to put a, a supercut of me just sneezing in in reviews. Anyway, so this is the thing that you can see, and I liked it. I didn't. There this, is this a, is a movie that exists. There's a, the Italian version and the English export version that are largely about the same running time. There's literally one second difference. Uh, there's audio commentary oh. by Tim Lucas, Mill of the Stone Women and the Gothic Body, which is a visual essay by the great Kat Ellinger, who's on half the horror releases that come out. Look into the trope of statues or mannequins of women in Gothic horror films, which I found really, really interesting and honestly is a subgenre of horror that you know, is not as well explored as some other, but there's so many films that do. And it's kind of, this is a, like alone worth watching just to get an idea of here's your starter piece yeah. of, of like, here's this trope and all the places that show yeah, up. In. If you want to know how to be bored immediately, oh God, watch geez. this movie. There's turn to stone, <laughs> which is unfortunately not based on the great ELO song, but is 27 minutes, a newly edited feature edited featurette with archival interviews with people from this film, a uh, little chat with Dr. M- Mabuse, 15 or about 16 minute archival interview with actor Wolfgang gang priest in German with English subtitles. There's alternate opening titles, trailers, image galleries. And then the disc two comes with a French version and the U S version, which are a couple minutes difference. Yeah. In there. Anyway, I like this right. Didn't right is often wrong. So take that into context, but you know, and you know what? Also go fuck yourself. I, well, I was, uh, yeah, it's very pleasant, actually. God, Thank you for providing the um, the seat. Okay. Hold on, I need to wind it up again. There right, right. we go. Oh, that's the stuff. Let's talk about our last movie here, uh, <laughs> presented by Film Movement. This is a movie called Wildland that wasn't on my radar at all, and yeah. weirdly got kind kind of meh reviews. It did, and I don't fucking understand that because this was fantastic it's a danish film that definitely feels like sort of a danish is, that, is that how you pronounce it it's a danish sorry film. i got my, my my throat i got a frog in my throat it's a danish film. i got a right in my throat uh <laughs> sorry that sax machine wasn't that enough <sighs> uh, but uh originally titled uh 
in uh, translated from Danish flesh and blood. And this kind of feels like a, if you've ever seen animal kingdom, mm-hmm. kind of like a Danish version of that mm-hmm. it's, you know, Scandinavian noir, but in a sort of character piece level, it's not overplaying the noir aspects of it in terms of no. tone. It's more, and not even how the well, like it's shot either. It's no, it is, uh, it's definitely character driven based on a young girl who, uh, her mom and her aunt, or wait, yeah, her mom her, dies in a car crash. Her mom dies in a with car her. crash. Yeah. 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 And that she was in with her. And uh, and then she is adopted by her aunt yeah. with all of her sons who she gets in the mouth. I don't get that. And uh, but they're yeah. also like you start to find out very soon that they're in nefarious acts. Basically, they're their own mob. Yeah. Yeah. They have their own little crime syndicate going on. We don't never, we never really know the details of how it all works. It's not, and I love that terribly pertinent. It's, how it it's all works, exquisitely done. But there's like Jonas, who's the older one, who's kind of the alpha male. There's David, who is like basically never there a lot of the time. People are always like, "Where's David?" And then there's like the one who's like, "I just want to play video games and get high in the basement." Yeah. Mads. and the mom is like, seems like this great mom. She's like, oh, you're so welcome. Come in. I'm going to make breakfast for everyone. Bodil is her name. Uh, and she just seems lovely. The situation seems fine yeah. at first. And, you know, the girl Ida, and you know, she is she's a teenager. She's like, what, like 15, I think? 15, 16, like maybe. Something I don't know if they... No, 17. I'm sorry. She is 17 years old. She's so 17? Right oh, on wow. the verge of adulthood, but she looks young and she's, you know, kind of tomboyish, mm-hmm. you know, and she's a little awkward at first in the situation. She doesn't really know the side of the family. And in fact, her mom had warned her off against them. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, we don't associate with that side of the family. They're crazy, but it's all she's got at this point. But she's actually pretty quickly like, uh, this isn't so bad with the exception of the video game kid who's like. So can I fuck you when he gets drunk? Well, he was like, can I see your breasts? Yeah. And you're like, oh, and then afterwards, though, to be fair, he's like, I was just fucked up. I'm so sorry. I apologize. And you're like, okay, well, this feels like this movie's going in that direction specifically. Yeah. It's not. It's just warning you that these people have a moral looseness. Yes. And despite the sunny disposition of Bodil. As it goes on, she finds herself eventually where she's in a situation where even after several nights of having a lot of fun hanging out with these guys and, you know, doing drugs, a little bit of alcohol, having fun, that she's like, oh, well, come with us to this thing. And we get into the crime thing and a murder happens unintentionally. Uh, A situation gets a little too intense. And she's put in a position where... The cops want to question her about it because there's reason why they can connect her with it. And the family is like, what are we going to do here? Has to question, is she really family where we can trust her or do we have to do something about this? (coughs) And this is not going in the traditional like where you might think where suddenly she's on the run from her family or something. Like I said, this is a character piece. Yeah. And it really... I, despite the fact I found this kind of engaging for the first two acts, the third act is where I was really with this and like, wow, this is it, it, it amped really up the tension quite a bit because they, you, you've got, you finally got to see the stakes and everyone was involved at that point where they were all concerned about what anyone was going to do. And that's what it was really cool is that 
it wasn't just about Ida, about what she was going to do. She was going to turn like good and like, you know, rat everyone out or whatever. But there was comments about David, which I think is a fascinating character, which towards the the very literal end of the movie Mm -hmm. becomes a very shocking moment in the movie. I was, it was, this is a, out of all these movies that we watched, I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, Like I did that uh, at the end of this movie. And it it shocked me yeah. uh, of like what it, it it you know it did. And I don't want to spoil it, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I really like this movie. It, it, yeah, like you said, it reminded me of uh, Animal Kingdom. It it got a comments about David uh, Michaud. He's a, another Australian director. He did like uh, I think Stone or uh, uh, Animal Kingdom and uh, and like the the Rover and a couple sure. of other movies. Yeah, and uh, but also reminded me of a Snowtown Murders, uh, which. Which you mentioned earlier, and I feel like I should have seen, but I don't know. Oh my god, it, it, it's such a gr- great film. It's I, what I love about uh, movies like this is I love these um, really charismatic characters that are into becoming like almost like cult figures in a way that control the situation of these uh, of a of the main character, the protagonist that is in a dire situation and doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. And you're watching it as a, an observer. You're like, don't do that. Don't do, don't, don't go that route. Yeah. And they don't know what else to do because they're so vulnerable. Sure. And that's what I love about this film is that it treats it like that. And, uh, but no character is really that dumb. No, no one makes a really stupid decision. It's all like out of desperation, which is not stupid. Yeah, I mean, they ne- nobody ever feels like um, a gangster cliche. <coughs> exactly. You, uh, you worry, you spend the film in the tense moments worrying they're about to become one. Yeah. And then they never quite p- go to that point. Mm-hmm. They always remain realistically human in this case of like, they're not going to immediately turn on this girl. Played wonderfully by Sandra Goldberg Camp, who is uh, probably best known for being one of the stars of the Netflix show The Rain which I guess has got mm. two seasons on it, but she's really, really interesting in this. She mm. gives a really dedicated performance. I was deeply impressed with her here. And I think Wildland is one of the ones, if you like these character piece gangster films, the, you know, of which there's been more and more coming out lately, I yeah. think, especially not from America as much, but from other countries. Uh, this is, like a weird new subgenre of the gangster. That's film. that's what I like about like uh, foreign um, or international films that are um, about like the subgenre of uh, gangster films that are in like rural areas yeah. where you would see like if it was a rural area in in America, you have two subgenres. You have Fargo or the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're like. Okay, there's Southern can, Gothic or there's Northern Gothic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so with with Europe, it seems I don't, I don't know what it is, but it seems always more sinister and like just more dangerous yeah, in a ways. There's a couple of these, especially from film movement that we've seen that I really like. There's one uh, Mafia Inc. that we reviewed a while back that was like, "Wow, this is so great," which yeah. is just kind of the same type of thing. I'm yeah, like, wow, I love this. This is interesting. You should put on that list of, yeah, well, we're seeking out. You might have to get on the film movement uh, streaming channel to see it, but you know, 
It is available on DVD. It is available on DVD, just like every other Trash in the Can movie. Oh, sorry. Well, not all of them are available. No, on no, DVD. no, no. You're on YouTube. Why do you keep promoting the Trash in the Can thing? Because I'm trying to promote it, yo. It's like you want people to listen to it or something. I'm trying. I, I mean, I, I like. I it's like it's available on oneofus.net. It's like available on one of us on. There's like four episodes, on, three episodes. Also on, on Spotify now. Yeah, available on Spotify. That makes us special and big. George Clooney is a big fan of Trash in the Can, from what I hear. I, George Clooney Quentin cannot Tarantino. stop texting me. Yeah. all the time. Yeah, Picasso. Um, Picasso Ren- texted me like every other day. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck you, yeah. Picasso." Yeah, King Charles. Uh, yep. I, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you had a, quite a few text messages from Jesus. Jesus said his first text message because yeah. it was the, his text message on the mount. Yeah. <laughs> he- <laughs> Never mind. That, was, that took it. I mean, it's not as interesting as his Tinder swipe on the mount, but still. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, anyway, that's it for Digital Noise. Thank you, right, for joining me. Uh, thank out, you, Chris. Check out his show, Trash on the Can, now available on oneofus.net. What is our pick of the week? We have a pick? Yeah, we always pick pick of the week. I'm pretty sure it's Sailor Suit and Machine Gun, right? Ooh. Uh, ooh, that is difficult. That's decidedly my pick for this stack. Oh, man. Oh, come on. It's not that difficult. It's Sailor Suit and Machine Gun. It's Sailor Suit, or quite honestly, like... Or Wildland. Is that or Wildland. I'm going with Sailor Suit. I think because overall... Of the extras, because of the extras. Because the extras, and also overall... They're both great. But. Yeah, everything that we talked about so far, like, I think I got a better experience from just the 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 sheer, uh, just... Sailor Suitiness? Uh, just, yes. Machine Gun-iness? Uh, just the... The, the ridiculousness of the story itself was like, I really loved all about this. I, I liked it a lot. So, yes, I would say Sailor Suit, a very close second is Wild Land. If I was going to say, like, oh, the best movie out of all of this was definitely Wild Land. Um, <sighs> you know, you. we really need to stop doing this uh, digital noise thing. Uh, Press the button, Frank. <laughs> 